welcome to Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by the TAC. The road belongs to us all. I'm joined today by the cycling encyclopedia, Matthew Keenan. Welcome, Keno. Thanks, Alex. And fresh from a very nice win over in the West, the Melbourne Football Club captain, Max Gorn. Welcome, Max. I thought I was going to get a, a run with the first then with the cycling encycl- encyclopedia. You are the, the cycling smoky expert. It, it could actually be a little bit of your territory here, Max. Have a strength in, in, in mediocre Italian sprinters as we as we've come to come to know. It's it's not your forte, <laughs> this the Spanish riders, but no. there is there is similar aspects to um to what we saw in maybe one of the best performances of the year was Max Max's top thirty-seven at the Giro, which included a wealth of Italian amateur yeah. sprinters. It did. I quite enjoyed that top 37 for the Giro, for the GC. Got quite a few mentions in our commentary, Max. It was pretty impressive. I, um, I don't think I've got it in me for the Volta. Um, I don't think I can name 37 no. GC riders that are riding the Volta. That is perfectly reasonable as well. Yeah. When you find in the Volta, once you get to this point in the season, there are guys that you would normally expect to be consent tenders for the general classification, that they're emotionally exhausted. And I can imagine... From you, from a footy perspective, in seasons past where you haven't been in final contention, you know, around 21 and 22, they're pretty hard to get up for psychologically. That's um, the game just gone, obviously fresh off the perf win. That's just mentally fatigued as I've ever been after a game. Um, that was, we did a seven week quarantine going into a kino and stuck in a hotel room. And, um, and then game day, we had to leave the hotel at one and the game didn't start till six. So we had sort of a five hour lead into the game. And then the game obviously went for an incredible amount of time um, with an extra little half time halfway through the fourth quarter. And I was just, I was just genuinely zapped. Um, and then we chucked in the red eye flight just to, just to give us one on the way out. Um, so hopefully a nice little week in Melbourne here where I'm back home now and um, back down the coast and um, a little refresher going into the end of the year. Nice. Kino, you're, uh, I've heard you've been on the Zwift doing the map off the tour ride. Yeah, I have. I did stage two yesterday and I had these grand intentions, Alex. It was post homeschooling with the kids that my lunchtime break, I'd jump on Zwift, I'd do stage two and I'd take it really easy. But I got on the start line and there was only 48 other riders on the start line. So it's hard to drift back and find yourself a group. And I wanted some wheels to follow early. I ended up in the lead group. There was 11 riders. And for an hour and a half, I averaged 270 watts. And then up the first climb near the back end, I ended up getting dagged and there was four guys out in front of me. And then there was a guy from Sweden. He and I were kind of working turns leading into the last climb. And he's laid off me. And I see he's attacked me at 8.4 watts per kilo going to the bottom of the last climb. I'm like, you know, Sven, I've got nothing left anyway. <laughs> like, I'm done. Just let me ride with you to the bottom of the climb. And so as a result of that, I got a little bit angry and I congratulated all the blokes in front of him for how well they'd climbed. I've worked out pretty quickly on Zwift, Kino. If you're averaging 270 for an hour and a half, I would have needed to average 600 to be in that group. <laughs> what, you, what, what, course, what are you weighing in at on Zwift, Max, relative no, to your normal weight? No, I've actually, I've actually, I, I rode in 110. I, th- I thought you had to be trustworthy on Zwift. But you do. I'm starting to realise that majority of other people I ride with are either professional cyclists or they've lied about their weight. Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of blokes about six foot four that end up weighing about 53 kilograms. <laughs> have you got, so, Ken, have you got that kit now, the map kit in-game, I've heard? 
No, I think I've got a... Yeah, when you're doing the off-the-map tour, yeah, you're in the kit. You're in the, the map kit and it looks really cool. I like it. Yeah, good. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the Welter. Max, how do you feel about the Welter? Back end of the year, third grand tour. How are you feeling coming into it? Um, I must say I've had a little rest from cycling. Um, I watched the Olympics, uh, obviously, like majority of us did uh, with those, the road race and the TT and even some of the track cycling was really good as well. Um, but I haven't really been taking notice of what's been happening over in Europe too much. I'm starting to get a little bit back with the tour of Poland and Denmark and Norway and whatnot going on at the moment. Mm. Um, so I think I'm gearing into a really good Volta. Um, it's, 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 it's an exciting battle. Ineos are going again with this amazingly strong team to try and take out a Slovenian. And I wonder if they can do it. It's, it was a, it was a massive block, the tour into the Olympics both road and then track and yeah, I've been, I've been a bit the same, but yeah, starting to pick a bit, pick it back up this week. Um, Keno, we're just going to, we're going to go top to tail of the, the start list, run sure. through each team, couple Let's of um, tips, thoughts along the way. You lead us um, through and we'll, give us, through. You'll, we'll share our thoughts. Just, just quickly, Keno, just your thoughts. Did a podcast yesterday with Jason Bart from the former, women's um, TP coach on the Olympics, look back on the Olympics. Did you tune into the track much? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought it was a really tough campaign for the Australian team. And from the outside, and this is only from the outside, it looked like for the last couple of years, there was a culture of a fear of being cut rather than a culture of a belief that the athletes were being supported. And Mm. it's noteworthy that Simon Jones, the head of the high-performance team, He's already announced his resignation and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Oz Cycling do in the next phase. So what's the funding model as well? I think the funding model, it needs to look at where is the participation? What is the area of the sport that is going to draw more people in? Logan Martin, I'm sure he didn't get anywhere near as much funding as what we saw with our Teams Pursuit squad. And Logan Martin has come away with an Olympic Games gold medal. We saw Beck and Dan McConnell in the mountain biking. They didn't perform to what their normal standards. They both had bad days. But the participation levels in mountain biking are huge. And that's great for the community if we can get more people riding bikes. So I think we need to look beyond just Olympic Games gold medals as the definition of success. Yep. Uh, to the welter. Yep. We're, also, we're also going early too. Back to, back to our roots of going early. We haven't got a full start list. So we're starting off with Israel Startup Nation, which uh, currently has a team sheet of five on the start list. Notably, Seb Berwick yeah. on the start list, which is good for us. Yeah. So finally, Israel Startup Nation actually invests in the future rather than just investing in the past. Most of the riders that have gotten results for them so far have been 34, 35 plus years of age. Dan Martin, Michael Woods, they've been the guys to get results. Daryl Impey and all the publicity around Chris Froome. Those guys aren't on the start list here. But Seb Berwick, I don't think he can do anything in the general classification. But this guy can seriously climb. At the start of last season, he went toe-to-toe with Jai Hindley up Mount Buller in the Herald Sun Tour. Jai went on to finish second at the Giro d'Italia at the end of last season. With seven mountaintop finishes and six other medium mountain stages, there's plenty of opportunities for Seb Berwick to get into a breakaway. And even if he doesn't win a stage, just get into the breakaway that ends up winning the stage. He's got a three-year deal with the Israel Startup Nation. They believe in him. They're investing in for the long term. Let's see him get in a break. Mm. How's that for an opening uh, 
little spill out of Gorney. <laughs> I must say, I don't have much to add on Israel. It's confirmation. Should uh, should I just should we just take it in terms of reading out the names and then just pass <laughs> into Kino? I will try and I will, I will try and go toe to toe in some of the teams. Israel is not my strong point. Um, no token Israelian rider this time. Um, at the moment, I oh, know there is Guy Niv. Sorry, um, we yeah. As Alex said at the start, Kino, we 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 go early. Um, cause everyone does a preview. So we do like the Tom Brown type approach. We go early with no real <laughs> statistics or anything stuck in cement and we just get it out there and see it and just see how it goes. <laughs> Mike, when Tom Brown comes on the news, my kids always go, Tom Brown, Tom Brown. <laughs> oh, very good. Right. Yeah, next up. AG to our Citron headed up by Jeffrey Bouchard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think they've got a, a bit of a chance with uh, Clement Venturini for one of the stages where Caleb Ewan is going to be a contender. He's a reasonably good sprinter, but they're a team with a guy like Mikael Chirel, who is perennial, get in a breakaway, can finish in the top 20, but has not won a significant bike race in his career. They've got to go looking for breakaways, but they've already had a fantastic season. For a team like AG Tour to have won a stage in the Tour and finish in fourth position overall... There is no pressure on them at all. I'm a big uh, Clement Champoisin. Is that how I would say it, Kino? Uh, Champoisson. Champoisson. Uh, I'm a big. I'm a big fan. I had him in my top 37. Uh, <laughs> top the Giro. Um, it let me down a little bit, but I actually he's a he's a young French rider with a lot of talent. Um, yeah, I agree he with could that. Potentially be the one that sticks around with the GC group uh, on the on the second and third weeks. Yeah, that's a good call. Just before we rip into it too much, are you calling it Kino? Is, is, yeah. Has SBS got it? Yeah, we've got it. So it's David McKenzie and myself doing the commentary. Robbie McEwen can't travel because of COVID and he's, he's due for a knee reconstruction because he did his ACL in a mountain bike crash up in Sydney. And Bridie's got too many other work commitments. So it's Macker and I who are doing the commentary. There's no, nice. um, no cross to Mark Renshaw in front of the well-put uh, Renshaw cycling in the backdrop. Perfect. <laughs> Almost up there with Robbie's Grand Fondo, which he just slides <laughs> in at every opportunity. Uh, UAE Emirates, I, th- I believe it's been announced that the, Pog, the Pog's not. There was a rumor going around for a minute that they might be going to the World Tour. He's not going to the World Tour. No, he's not. He's going. wrapped it up. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime. In the meantime, they've been spending a bucket load of cash to stack their lineup for 2022 um, with some big, big names going there. But in terms of the welter, Trenton heading up their squad. They're stage hunting. Max, what do you think of the 2027, the contract for Tade Pogacar through to 2027 before we assess their team here? That's a long contract for anybody. Yeah, it's, it's Christian Petraka-esque. Um, in football world, it's more common. Um, I dare say Crips uh, from your team might be yeah. on something that long as well. Um, football world, a little bit more common. Cycling world, very uncommon. Um, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what they do. Um, I'm a big Pog fan. I'd probably win the next seven tours if you wanted to. But uh, <laughs> yeah. this is, this is, they've gone back to UAE pre-Pog with a real stage-winning team. Yeah. Um, they're all, I reckon all seven riders that I'm looking at uh, already before the team sheets are out. They all could win a stage. Yeah, and a bit like AG2R, the pressure's off. Uh, there's yeah. nobody in there who is under huge pressure because they've ridden brilliantly at the Tour de France. They've won multiple stages. They've won the general classification. 
and they can come here hunting stages. And a guy like Raphael Micah, he was outstanding at the Tour de France. He's been a former stage winner at the Tour and he's won the King of the Mountains classification there. He can do whatever he likes. If, if, uh, if Caleb doesn't uh, get to the second and third weeks, which we're not sure what will happen there, yet Ryan Gibbons suits a Voltus, for instance, as well. Yeah, he does. I'm looking forward to our chat about Caleb Ewan and seeing if Alex has got any insights for us. So I've got my view. We, um, Alex, I've been on to Alex Kino, who's trying to obviously go big in the cycling journalism world. He just doesn't go hard at Caleb. He keeps no. him, he just keeps him there. doesn't go to hard, the hard hitting questions. <laughs> well, I'd also don't go hard at the next athlete. We're probably going to talk about heading up team bike exchanges, Lucas Hamilton coming yeah. off a, a disappointing tour, uh, off the mark, crashed out, um, in unfortunate circumstances. But a big a bit like um, Mark Stevens going to cover the Bulldogs, Max. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I can talk. Okay, I can talk Alex, freely about Alex, pretty much everyone else. Come on, Alex. What are your expectations of Lucas in this Vuelta after what was a disappointing tour? Well, I've I've heard that. So first of all, I think I think just that he's had a massive year. So he had like I think look talking to him after the tour, it was like there was so much pressure to be good in those lead up races that it just, that he spent all these bickies way too early. So I don't know how I don't having never done a tour or half tour de France, then backed up for another one after doing all those stage races in the lead up. Can, can you have good legs? Is it possible? We also did the Olympics. So he's done a little trip to Tokyo. So I think it's a massive year. I don't know that he can ride GC, uh, but I think he'd fancy himself on a couple or a couple of the, Seems like 22, uh, 21 uphill finishes that we have at this year's Welter. 22 out of 21 stages. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think the challenge is, Max, which you'd be able to address better than, than I would, is the mental fatigue for any athlete. And it doesn't matter what the sport is, to try and pick yourself back up again. Yeah, correct. And I probably touched on what I said earlier with how fatiguing it can get towards the end of the year with big, long drags. And I'm sure he's gone through some sort of quarantine at some point as well. Um, definitely in Tokyo although they were only there for two or three days but um, he would have gone through something like that started fatiguing um, the bike exchange the early names it's their best six riders on their list so they're, they're, they're sort of going for broke um, they're trying to get something out of this out of this last grand, grand tour um, it'll be interesting to see how they go I reckon Rob Stannard suits again a Volta sprint at some point um, but he's got Michael Matthews there it's, it's, it's an interesting team yeah, I don't have I don't have high expectations. With um this welter, look, it seems like there's there's not much in between, and then there's not much Rob Stannard esque unless Caleb gets hooped early. Mm. It seems like we're going uphill like in a ridiculous manner, or where, where Caleb's going to be there. Uh, but the, what I do like, I do like Damien Housen being there. Yeah, I think I'd like um, to see him win a stage. He's riding well. Yeah, I he's agree. been riding well. I would have liked to see him at tour, but didn't make the selection. But yeah, I'd, I don't mind Damo for, for a stage win. Yeah. I dare say he's the last one in the hills with, if Lucas is going well over Esteban and Mikel. Yeah. 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 Potentially. Mikel, yeah, but he's just on the start list for every single race that Bike Exchange are in. <laughs> yes. Um, bike Exchange have also only got two wins this year, two World Tour wins. Uh, so you- they've had a tough year. They had a good Giro. Everything else has been disappointing. It needs a refresh. After they're finished with the review at Carlton, they can send them down a bike exchange. 
if they did a best and fairest at the end of the year, I'm giving it to Jewel Jensen. Yeah, definitely. He's, yeah. And he's captain morale on the team bus as well, which is yep. important. Yeah. Okay. Next up. Intermarche Wanty. We've got three names there. Yeah, but they've had a really good year with a stage win at the Giro d'Italia. They were pretty active at the Tour de France. Uh, they've got Louis Minkies is a guy who's finished twice eighth at the Tour de France. He's been a top 10 previously at the Vuelta. He was pretty solid at the Tour this year. Rain Tarame has been a stage winner previously at the Vuelta de España as well. And they can go stage hunting. Even though they're a world tour team, they will race it like they're a wildcard team and they'll look for lots of breakaways, that squad. Was, was Rain Tarame the, uh, the rider at the Giro a couple of seconds behind the uh, Hungarian that was leading? Yeah, uh, I can't remember this year. I can't remember that either. I can't uh, remember but he's either. he's been a winner of the white jersey in the past at the at the Tour de France. Like he was this big hope early on in his career. He spent a long time with the Cofidis team, and this year in the in the Giro, he was he was reasonable early. He ended up finishing sort of like around fiftieth in the general classification, something like that. Astana Premier Tech. Astana Premier Tet for a little bit longer. Lost their title sponsor this week. Um, interesting squad. And they're also losing Vlasov. is heading off to, to Bora next year. So there's a bit going on at this squad. And the man is gone. The, ma- the main man is, is out. Well, is he? Now that Premier Tech's gone, Vinokurov will be back. He'll be back? Yeah. He'll He's Alexander Vinokurov. Like... Uh, it, it could be a nuclear explosion, right? The planet has been cleared of every living animal. Vinokurov will be the last thing that walks away. He's, he, the ability to survive is phenomenal. And is, it, is there no. much longevity in that um, sponsorship from Astana, from the well, Kazakh ben, government through the Gulf? Like, is that just however long you want or...? Well, it's been around since 2007. Mm. And Vinokurov won the time trial in Albi in the Tour de France. And then he blew the test tube and did a two-year suspension. Kedal ended up getting the victory in that individual time trial. Then he came back and he allegedly bought Liège best on Liège, although then that got cleared in the Court of Arbitration for Sport or wherever it was. And then he went to the Olympics and you know, it was a strange sprint between him and Rigoberto Uran. He won the gold medal there as well. And he comes back as managing the team. He leaves the team. He's back managing the team. And then he left the team before the Tour de France. Dinikorov will be back. <laughs> it's What's um, on the squad, Maxi? It's, it's bike exchange-esque. I don't think they've had the year they've wanted to. Um, and they've just loaded up with their A-team. Uh, and I, I sensed uh, that they lost a bit of trust in Vlasov. Um, with the amount of moves they were making, uh, it was at the Giro, I'm pretty sure it was the Giro, um, the amount of moves they were making for Vlasov and he just couldn't hold wheels with Caruso and uh, help me out with the Ineos rider Bernal. Yep. Um, so they, I reckon they go for stage wins. Aaron Boo, who did it every time, every I knew you were a tipping man throughout the tour, Keno got them all horribly wrong. Uh, <laughs> every time someone would go into a stage, they'd tip me this Alex, Alex Aaron, Aaron Boo. Yeah, he just—he didn't do much, did he? No, no, he—he he was, he was the the stage failure, disappointment, day in, day out. I think Vlasov will ride for the general classification. 
because when he goes to UAE next year, he's going to have limited opportunities. He finished fourth at the Giro d'Italia, and I think he'll try and go out swinging. I think he'll ride for the GC, and I think he can do a similar performance to what he did at the Giro, and I think he'll go top five. I think. Okay. All right. Next Team up. Jump, Team Jumbo Visma. This is Max's team. I'm leaving this to you, Max. This is the big, the big question after Rog torched the Olympic time trial. That was um, that was something to watch, wasn't it? Especially just going and seeing what Garner's done on the track now. Garner was in incredible form, and Roglic's gone and done that to him. Yeah, it shows how hard the course was for him to yeah, beat Felipe yeah, Garner like yeah, that. Yeah, I agree with that. And Rowan's ride was unbelievable as well. Yeah. I was wrapped for him to get the bronze medal. But what about the resilience of Primoz Roglic? So last year, losing the yellow jersey the day before Paris, he bounces back, he wins Liège, best on Liège, and he wins the Vuelta. This year, he builds everything around the tour. He crashes out in the first week, and he comes back and he wins Olympic Games. I don't think you're going to find many athletes that have got more resilience in any sport anywhere on the planet than Primoz Roglic. Yeah, we, we, we spoke to Cadell um, not long ago, and he is a massive admirer of Primoz. Um, and we know what uh, sort of values Cadell has, uh, both in himself and his peers. And you sense that Primoz would be all about those values as well. Yeah. Um, so it makes me like him even more. This 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 team, it's stacked with um, some domestiques for him. Um, I, I mean, I was a big fan of their team for the tour as well. Um, but, I mean, Hessian, Krujewick, uh, Bowman, Kuss, and Sam Uman could all... Yeah potentially ride GC themselves. So um, it's going to be a tough team to, I mean, Ineos and Jumbo, it's going to be a great battle. Yeah, it's a really good team. And I love any race where Nathan Van Hoydonk rides because his uncle, Edwig Van Hoydonk, was one of my childhood heroes. And Edwig Van Hoydonk, he won the Tour of Flanders in 89 and 91. And Nathan is the son of Edwig Van Hoydonk's brother, who was a pro, but nowhere near as good. And each time I get to commentate on the name, Van Hoydonk, I think of that time where I fell in love with the sport and I used, to call, I used to watch his uncle on videos that were about three months old from when he won the Tour of Flanders a couple of times. Is he, is he the Luke Rowe, Tony Martin? Is he just going to sit at the front of the group? Oh, he's, he's also the guy that can get himself ejected from the race yep. because he's a little hot-headed. He got kicked out of the Tour of Belgium a couple of years ago riding for the national team when he almost took a swing at the neutral service that he wasn't happy with. So he's, uh, he's Jumbo's Gianni Moscom. Yeah, without the racial slurs. Okay, yep. <laughs> uh, I've, got, I've, I've got Primoz on top, and yeah. I'm sure you do as well, Keno. So yeah, I do, be, actually. It's a pretty strong team. Yeah. Yep. A couple of time trials in there as well, just to, just to play to his strengths. Yeah. Bohr Hansgrove. Oh, no. they been on a recruitment drive. They have hired just yeah. about everybody in the peloton who can finish fifth in a grand tour. <laughs> that's, that's them for next season. Um, Max Shackman and Felix Grosschatner will be guys looking for stage victories from that team. You don't reckon Shackman will try and hold on? No, I, don't, I think it's too much. I think these climbs are too steep in Spain. Yeah. The, the more gradual climbs of the tour suit him a bit better but these Spanish climbs are short and super steep I think they're a bit too much for Max Shackman who I like to refer to as bobblehead <laughs> he gets down like the head just wobble wobble he's a ripper Max Shackman but I think I think these climbs are too tough for him underwhelming team out of those two outside of those two 
Yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. Was was Ackerman in there until, or was he never in the mixer? I can't remember him ever being on the long list for them. Barry and Victorious talking about stacked oh, squads. Skip the F education. I got Bahrain right. next yeah. in my list. Have you? Okay. We'll do Bahrain then. <laughs> we'll do Bahrain. We'll go. go Bahrain. They're okay. st- a stack squad. Yeah. They can win it. Yeah, I I've I've been harsh by just saying Ineos and Jumbo. It's a it's a three it's a three man sort of lead, three team lead. Like yeah. I'm a I'm I'm not sure about you, Kino, but Bahrain have been my highlight of the year. Yeah. And any team that changes its name to include the word victorious. I mean, how nervous were the sports directors until they at least started to get a few victories early in the year. There was a, I saw a good interview with Roger Hammond, who's pretty humble sort of a guy. He's one of the sports directors. And he said he just breathed a massive sigh of relief when they got a win in February with the new name, Bahrain Victorious. But you've spoken to Jack Haig recently. I, didn't, I haven't listened to the interview yet with Jack Haig. It's on my list. How's he feeling coming into the Vuelta? I don't know how he's feeling, but when I was talking to him, it was a week after the Tour de France, and he's he had a two-and-a-half-hour surgery on his collarbone. Um, and he tells a story in, in the podcast where he had a Spanish surgeon, so he didn't quite understand what he was talking about, but he was talking about some kind of bone bank or something. And he said that his uh, collarbone was so smashed up that they had to have like a bone inventory of – um, stock on hand and they have to weld it pretty much back together. So he's got plates um, and whatnot galore in his collarbone, but he's the guy that did um, Egan Bernal's collarbone. So he had, had must, confidence that um, that he's in good hands. I must say, I wasn't expecting him after listening to that to be on the Volta uh, team sheet, Alex. It was sounding pretty grim for him. Although Gordy Haggy is like the, He's an animal in terms of like yeah. if he wants to do something, he will do everything in his in his manner to make it happen. Um, this is this is the most confusing team at the same time though. So Lander Lander was looking good. Giro crashed. Um, he's got all right to be their GC man. Yeah, and Hagen Caruso to ride for him, and I'm happy with that. But Gino made uh, Mark Padu and Wood Poles and Tratnik could do whatever they want. Tratnik yeah. was the man of the Olympics. Yeah, he was awesome. We've got Gino Mader. He can win stages, and we've seen him do that already in Grand Tours. Mark Pudun was super disappointed he didn't get a start in the Tour after winning back-to-back stages in the Dauphiné. Walt Pauls is the one that you can rely on because he did a fantastic job throughout his time at Team Sky supporting Chris Froome. And Caruso on the back of his second-place finish at the Giro d'Italia, where he's meant to be working for Mikel Lander. This team on paper is almost as strong as Jumbo Visma. If not, if not almost stronger. Yeah. Hagee hey, talks about posts like that week when we were talking to him, he was like, he was absolutely gutted because he was in the best Nick he's ever been in, in his life. Come stage good. three of the Tour de France. Like he was, he's, he was like, I was flying. Hmm. Um, I'm really disappointed Cole Brelly's not there. Just to lighten up the intermediate sprints as well. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Team love class it. looks good though. Yeah, oh yeah. Don't get started on team class. Uh, so uh, just to clarify, who, Lander's the leader. Yeah, absolutely the leader. 
it's very easy for Caruso to go back and be a domestique. Hagee's the one. If Hagee's going really well, they might have to make a decision at some point. What I love about Mikael Lander is we've been talking about Mikael Lander is this great hope. He's like, you know, the great wide hope in the heavyweight boxing category. But, you know, like he's... Damiano Caruso's second place finish at the Giro is higher than Lander has ever finished at a Grand Tour. Yet we just keep talking about Mikael Lander as the guy who can win. But guess what? I reckon Mikael Lander's their leader and he's a guy who can win. <laughs> Judging how well the team's going, Lander must be in the best form he's been in. Yeah. yeah. If you win the training camp with them, you're going really well. <laughs> EF, EF Education Nippo. We haven't mm. got a full list, but according to Pro Cycling Stats, Rigo's on there yeah. and Hugh Carthy's on there. Yeah. So I think that they'll be riding for Hugh Carthy rather than Rigoberto Uran because Rigo was cooked at the end of the tour. Hugh Carthy finished eighth at the Giro this year. He was third overall at the Volta last year. He loves Spain. He won a stage of the Volta Burgos, started his pro career with Cajarral, the Spanish team that is based out of uh, Pamplona. And this is, I think this is Hugh Carthy's team to lead. I agree with that. Although Rigo did pull out some sort of uh, individual time trial in the Olympics while being cooked. I know. So (laughs) discount everything I said. But what I love about Rigoberto Uran is he makes life fun. And Esteban Chavez is changing teams and going across to EF. He's going to love hanging out with Rigoberto Uran. And how can you not have fun with somebody who looks like the love child of Mick Jagger? (laughs) Um, I'm, Hugh Carthy's in the same book to me as Lander. Um, I've been talking about him for a while, and I just, and I'm sure if you any sort of English commentator would be would have been talking about him for a lot more than us, and they'd just be wanting to do something this Volta, I reckon. Yeah, don't think, do. <laughs> Trek Segafredo, you'd expect nothing less than what they've got on their team sheet here. Quinn Simmons, though, off the back of a win and a contract extension after. Uh, controversial start to his neo pro career yeah I was, so, I was hoping for my italian mediocre sprinter matteo mochetti but i'm slightly disappointed in that we we okay. have we have highlighted his strengths though max and they probably don't sit at the Volta. i stand by kino that matteo mochetti is the worst climber in the peloton <laughs> you you're going to, going to have to work pretty hard to find somebody to argue with you. Well, I, I think this team will have a similar strategy to what they had at the Tour de France, where they went looking for a stage win. And at the Tour, they got it with Volker Molema. I'm always curious about Gianluca Brambilla. It was in the vault, I think it was 2014 or 2015, where Brambilla got the nickname Boxing Brambilla. Uh, because he and even Rovni... Rodney was riding for the uh, Tinkoff team. They started swinging at each other whilst on the bike and they both got expelled from the race. So I ended up calling Ivan Rodney, rampaging Rodney and Gianluca Brambilli from that day forward has been boxing Brambilla. He had some issues with George Bennett uh, at the Giro, didn't he? Oh, he gets, he's like, he's kind of like Nasser Buhani, like really calm, really calm. I'm a changed man. I'm calm. What are you doing that for? Let's get started. <laughs> Do you think Ciccone can back up his Giro? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah. I Doesn't don't. have that home ground advantage. Yeah, I don't think he can. Yeah. There's some riders where they just, you know, they perform really well on home soil. It was interesting. We'll get to him soon, Roman Bardet. 
Uh, his win recently was the first victory he's ever had outside of France. And the guy's finished on the podium at the Tour de France twice. And it's taken him until now to win a race not in France. Yeah. Mm. That's the yeah. thing, though. You see it especially with the Americans that dominate on home turf. You take them to Europe and it's a whole other ball game. Mm. Yeah. Um, Nibble is there. Yeah. Not the Vince, not Vincenzo, but his younger bro. Has Nibley announced where he's going next year or is uh, he retiring? He can't be too far away from retirement. But he might be seeking some superannuation somewhere for another mm. season. <laughs> Quick, uh, Takuna Quickstep, been, um, been in the news a bit for some, uh, probably the wrong reasons. Yep. Um, Bennett's gone. Patrick's maybe losing his mind a little bit in the way lost. that he communicates or lost. he's lost his mind. In the way that he communicates in the, the to the uh, to the press, and an interesting squad that they've stacked up here for the Welter. First, if, that, if that's Simon Goodwin, Tino, he's yeah. he's he's got sacked. Yeah, so I was about to ask you. Forever, not so, just sacked. You know, Patrick Lefebvre's comments about you know equating Sam Bennett going back to Bora being the equivalent to a woman going back to a situation of domestic violence is an outrageous comment to make. And it wasn't just an off-the-cuff comment. It was something that he wrote. So he had time to actually think about it. Yeah. I mean, what does that do for a team environment, Max? Surely, the, I mean, I don't, I'm sure our sponsors would have all jumped off if, I, if I've said that. Mm. And the fact that the sponsors are still backing in, uh, Patrick, is an interesting one. But, yeah, the team environment, the way he talks about Bennett the last two months even for a guy leaving, um, I'm trying to think of an example of someone who's left us recently. Um, let's run to uh, Oscar McDonald who went to Carlton. Yep. Let's just say if Simon was just potting him in the media, it'd just be distasteful because he's got friends within the team. and yeah. um, So I'm presuming there's some sort of disharmony there. There has to be. Not everyone hated Sam Bennett. No, Sam Bennett's a good guy. And it's proven that he's actually got a genuine knee injury and now he needs the rest of the season off. And then in addition to that, we see what's happened with the New Zealand cyclists just recently, sadly passed away at the age of 24, Simone Biles at the Olympics, Naomi Osaka, and the need to actually be a bit more considerate around mental health. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I think sports stars are in the limelight for doing it uh, because it's such a minority within the sport, but it's such in in society, it's such a big thing. But in sport, in terms of the amount of people to talk about it and openly take a step back and say, I'm struggling with mental health, it's such a minority. So the limelight just gets smashed on people like Naomi Osaka. Um, I mean, there's guys within football that have had some time off and, and the limelight just goes straight to them. Yeah, it's really brave, I think, to come out. But it's also really important because of the focus that it gets to help those people that aren't in a position where they get all that focus, they can actually say, okay, well, if that person is doing it in a high-profile position, I can put my hand up as well. So Patrick Lefebvre, if I ever say anything positive about the Koenig Quickstep as a team, it's despite the team manager, Patrick Lefebvre. And and also, wind back the clock 12 months, I would have almost said that that was their asset, that Patrick was so behind every single rider in the team. And even if he didn't agree with what they did or the performance that they delivered to the public-facing um, public facing media and whatnot. It was he was all about the team, and I think this 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 could be the cracks of maybe the team that had the has the strongest had the strongest culture. Yeah, uh, potentially we'll, coming we'll unstuck. 
But on the team, so taking him out of it, I would love to see Fabio Jakobsen win a stage after the horrific crash that he had in Poland last year and watch for Mauri van Sevenant. So his dad, Wim, was the Lantern Rouge two or three times at the Tour de France and he was one of Robbie McEwen's key support men. Well, Mauri van Sevenant is nothing like his dad. He's a fantastic climber and his name is named after the winner of the 1991 Volta Espana, Melchor Mauri. That's where his first name comes from, from the winner of the Volta in 91. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him in action. And James Knox finally gets to ride for himself, I think. You think? Uh, yes. I, so does he. He thinks. I'm intrigued to see if he, can, if he can sit in the GC group for a little bit. Yeah. Whenever I see his name, I always think of Dr. Zeus. <laughs> I, do, do, I do too now. <laughs> Boxing socks there. Ineos Grenadiers, another stacked lineup. All right. Alex, who's carrying the water bottles? Yeah. So we've got Bernal, Carapaz, uh, Navarez, Pidcock, Puccio, Sivakov, who can win a Grand Tour, Van Baal, and Adam Yates. How good was Pidcock in the mountain bike? That's Outrageous. Imagine the, the cost of salaries on this squad that they are sending just to the World Cup. They break the salary cap, Max. This is, it's crazy money. I reckon the Ecuadorians team up and Bernal gets lost within it. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon they'll end up riding for Carapaz. He's half a chance. That's how he won the Giro when he was on the Movistar team and they were meant to be working for Lander. He just snuck up the road in the first week. <laughs> um, mm. Adam Yates was talking big game going into the Olympics. Didn't look as good as what we thought he might. Um, and then they've got their two brutes in Salvatore and Van Baal. So yeah. they've got six riders for the climbs. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, my only question mark over Egan Bernal is the impact of the coronavirus. So I had coronavirus after the Giro d'Italia. And we don't know what the actual impacts of that are. He rode the Volta Borgos recently, finished in 38th position overall there, showed himself on the last stage, finishing in fourth. So it looks like he'll be okay. But you know, we don't know the long-term effects of COVID. It's different for various athletes. Uh, but, I mean, that team is bonkers how strong it is. It, there's got four guys there who could be the leader of any other team. If that's their... Tour, they hang around a little bit longer with the rock and uh, with Pog. Rob crashed out, but yeah, 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 yeah. I will, yeah, on that, I want the tour next year. I want Bernal tour. I want, yeah, the Pog and the Rog. I want to see those three going head to head. And Jonas Vingegaard at the tour, which you know, who's the leader at Jumbo Visma next year? <laughs> I want that, that Ineos team right there, that exact team to go to the tour next year. Yeah, I'll sign up for that. You know, we, we've talked about this before. Is Egan the only one that can take it to the Slovenians? No. Jonas Vinegar can. Because you look at the Tour de France from this year. You take it from the morning of the stay on Vontu through to the finish line in Paris. Jonas Vinegar was 12 seconds faster than Tadej Pogacar for the last 11 stages. He took all that time in the first week. And Jonas went in as the first-time rider of the Tour de France. And he wasn't going in there as the protected rider. He did his own thing on stage four. When Roglic crashed, they said, oh, you just stay in the front just in case we'll see what happens later in the race. It was a breakout performance. Do not underestimate the fishmonger. Team movie star, the home team on yeah. home turf. This is our favourite topic, Keno. This is, yeah. Yo, all right, I'll sit back. 
just waiting, but this like season three is going to be great. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> some of that stuff, some of that stuff on the Giro and the tour was 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 quite comical. Yeah. Um I actually like Enric Mass as a rider. He's pretty consistent. Uh, Mark Soler's getting lost. He's now getting he's going somewhere, isn't he? UAE? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for for more opportunities. Um, to do what? <laughs> <laughs> he won't be well liked in UAE, I'll give you the Oh my. <laughs> um Miguel Angel Lopez unfortunately looked horrible at the Tour de France. Um, may have got to do something. Times. I think he's lost that nickname for mine, Kenneth. Yeah, so he's their big recruit, Max. He's their big recruit, Lopez. He's got to do something at the Vuelta. But it is stacked. Val, Valverde is his last Grand Tour, last race. 41 years of age. So he first won a stage at the Vuelta 18 years ago. That's crazy. Uh, what were you doing 18 years ago? Uh, what hell am I now? 30. Um, I was probably just getting over that Y2K wasn't a thing. Yeah. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So he won a stage and that was his second participation in the race. So if Lopez or Mass lose time early, they'll go two weeks trying to get Valverde a stage win. Yeah. If Valverde wins a stage, the Movistar sponsors will be happy. Sure. I think that Enric Mass, after finishing sixth at the tour, I don't think he can back up he doesn't seem like he's got a really robust body it, like that real physical resilience to do two really strong performances in a grand tour i could be proven wrong but i don't think that he does i hope that lopez is their man for the general classification and valverde will be on the stage hunt this is it's one less leader than they normally take in um, normally they take in four, four, four <laughs> leaders four. and just hope for hope for the best so maybe they've got a little bit more structured this time Shotgun effect. <laughs> uh, Caleb Ewan, uh, Lotus Adal. Is he the only only red hot sprinter that's coming? Uh, Jakobsen is the other one from Jakobsen. the Quick Step with a good lead out. Yeah. And okay, so Caleb, what, Alex? Okay, no Mark Stevens going down to the kennel. What are your expectations of Caleb Ewan? Well, I think I think I looked through, and there's probably three, maybe four sprint stages in the first week. Um, well, is there? Am I missing? Am there's I three missing in the some? first week. There's three, three in the, the first, first week. week. Yeah. Well, I think he needs to win three. I think yeah. he, he he needs to win big. Well, we were talking about at the Tour de France. He's, we we're talking about him winning four, five stages. Um, I and I think he needs to win big. He signed a two-year deal. The team's backed him in. I, I don't think he would he would be expecting to win a, a bucket load here. All right, Max. Uh, I was I was hooked by him with his confidence uh, when we were talking to him. Um, we asked him if he would be able to beat Cav, and he, he didn't even he didn't even think that was a question. Um, so I I like his confidence. He doesn't really have much of a field, but the, the Volta sprints they're just they're messier, and he yeah. like he doesn't have that. He doesn't rely on a lead out, Caleb. So he might not be able to get in the best positions for all of them. He'll win one, mm. but I don't think he's got the Cav win five because Quick Step just get to the right spots. Yeah. Okay. So here are my expectations of him. This is what I think because he was out of the Giro so early because of the knee issue, and then he was out of the Tour on stage three because of the crash. He has to finish. He has to make it to Santiago de Compostela. He has to do the pilgrimage all the way through to the end. He needs the three-week race in his system. 
They've also, they've changed the points classification. Previously in the Vuelta, the points were the same for every stage. Whether you won a mountain stage or a flat stage, it was the same amount of points. So more often than not, somebody inside the top five overall will win the points classification. 2011, Volker Molimer won the points classification. That's how ridiculous it was. They've changed it this year to be the same format as the Tour de France. So it's 50 points on a pure sprint stage, 30 points for a medium mountain stage, 20 to win in the high mountains. I think Caleb Bjorn wins three stages. He makes it to the finish and he wins the points classification. And he just reminds everybody that he's the top dog of world sprinting. Don't you wish that... Um... Uh, sorry, but it seemed like Molimer was going for the points jersey and the Giro as well. He was in every single break. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love Bolka Molimer. Book Molimer, the ambassador for Book Week in the Netherlands. He's a real <laughs> I'd love nothing more. It's a very Australian flavour, this, vol- this Volta. Um, and I'd love nothing more for Caleb to absolutely dominate. They've taken yeah. one backup domestique this time, just in case Caleb crashes out. Just love um, <laughs> um, Van Hook, who can yeah. hang on to a GC group. He's their yeah. backup. The rest are all seeming to be... Uh, there for Caleb. Yeah. The other thing that I think is important to note that he needs he needs his te- he needs his lead out team to de- to deliver and him to be on the back of it just to continue to build that trust. I don't think that's ever been established at this squad. Is it every win that he gets? He's delivered, but he's he does he's not getting any quick uh, any quick step wins. Jasper Philipson every now and then hits it on hits it on the head, but I don't think it's consistent enough, and he doesn't. Yeah. Um, have a hundred percent trust in his lead out. I think that's the next step for him as yeah. well. So that, that'll play a big role here. Slightly disappointed. Um, Harry Sweeney, who's gone to Norway. I would have thought he uh, had done enough to potentially get another uh, chance at riding the grand tour here. Cause he's obviously fit to be able to ride him up in Norway at the moment. I like that. They haven't taken him. They're protecting him from himself. Okay. First year in the pro peloton. Yeah. Yeah. Kino, we're going to be looking for you, looking to you for the next couple of squads. No worries. Burgos BH. Yep. Okay. So Angel Madrozo, he won a stage in 2019. It was a mountaintop finish and he was in a breakaway of three. He was dropped four times from that breakaway and he ended up winning the stage. And when he got on the podium, he said, fantastic, I'm going to buy my kids a new Nintendo. He was a bit of a gamer. <laughs> So he was pretty. He was pretty happy to be. And then Sony ended up coming to the start line the next day, and they gave him what at the Sony PlayStation or whatever it is. I'm not quite up to speed with those things. So they gave him the Sony console and a couple for his kids. And Jetsu Bol, the Dutch guy who's on that team, he's married to a Mexican and he speaks fluent Spanish. And he was second on that stage to Madrozo when when he won. And Angel Madrozo used to ride for the Movistar team. And he looks a little bit like a Liberian. He's got like these Coke bottle thick glasses and he has to wear contact lenses when he races. And they've also got Danny Navarro, who's confirmed. He was one of the right-hand men for Alberto Contador for a long time. He'd be at the back end of his career. He'd be about 38 years of age now. He won a stage at the Volta maybe six years ago, riding for the Cofidis team. And everyone on the Burgos BH team, they'll be aiming for breakaways. And particularly given that the race starts in Burgos, it kicks off with an individual time trial celebrating the 800th anniversary of the beautiful cathedral in Burgos. But from that moment on, this team is looking for breaks and they can win a stage. Was that off the top of your head? Yeah. Nice. I've got doubts of you in the next one. <laughs> Have you? Yeah, I do. Why would you do that? I uh, just I so I knew Navarro and Bowl as well. 
Let's see. Yeah. Let's see how we go on. I can't even say this team name. Kajaharal. Well, we're talking Kajaharal. about four. Uh, Hugh Carthy came from the squad. Also, um, Nick Schultz did a did a year or two here as well. Yeah, so he did. And there's been two famous Australians have had a stint at that team. So Neil Stevens rode for that team in the early 90s. And in the late 80s, Stephen Hodge rode for this team. This team has been around since the mid-1980s. It's based in Pamplona, the running of the Bulls. That's in the same town, its headquarters, as the Movistar team. And they've been there together for, for a long, long time. So it's a team that is going hunting for a stage victory. They've got Jonathan Lastra on the team who got second in a stage three years ago or there two years ago. Um, they've got, you know, they'd be, they'd be just looking for, for the breakaway stage victory. They used to have um, oh, Muss, not Enric Muss, Lewis Muss used to be on the team. And he led the Kingdom Ounce classification for them for a long time. That was, he battled with Simon Clark, the year that Simon Clark won the Kingdom Ounce classification. So they'll be looking in the first couple of stages where there's a few hills to try and get the Kingdom Mountains jersey early. They'll be looking for the most combative prize because the most combative prize in the Vuelta is done differently. It is a jury nominates a few riders and then it's a voting system via the Spanish television. So if you're in the breakaway and you're not Spanish, you don't have much chance of getting the most combative price. <laughs> these um these semi-pro teams normally have their teams out first. I find that quite interesting that they're not. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Come late. So that's yeah. They'll be looking for the they'll be looking for the for the breaks quite obviously, but they can win a stage. They're a, they're a team that's been around for a long, long time. Uh, team DSM. Ooh. A couple of Aussies in there. Stora coming off coming off a stage win, uh, and his first World Tour win. And he's leaving the team. He's going to Group Armour FDJ for two years. He did see that? Interesting yeah. move. Yeah. And Chris the Hurricane Hamilton. They had a horrible tour, an unbelievable Giro. Um, well, unbelievable in terms of uh, I don't know how many stage wins they got, but in terms of just being on the TV and Stora's riding and Hamilton's riding. Yeah. Um, I reckon that this looks like a pretty stacked team to try and get something out of out of the vault here. I'm a big fan of their um their number one here, uh, Themen Arisman. Yeah, um, young young rider. Um, I reckon he can potentially hold on to a GC group. Bardet again just had that stage win the other day, and then the two Aussies and Martin Schulzfeld. Um, nice little team. It is a good team, and I'm really optimistic about Roman Bardet. I think he can. I think he can really do something. I think Arisman is still just a little bit too young. He was pretty good in the Vuelta last year. But Roman Bardet, as we mentioned before, just recently his first ever victory outside of Spain. I think this is a team that will be bouncing back from what was a horrendous Tour de France after last year being an awesome Tour de France. I've got pretty high hopes for that team and Bardet will enjoy being the eldest statesman on that team and really trying to lead them and keep them calm on the back of what was a, you know, a below par tour. But having said all that, I want to see Luke, I want to see Chris Hamilton and Michael Stora get in a break and ride really selfishly and win one. Is Stora a chance to be um, Jai Hindley, Lucas Hamilton, Jack Haig sort of group? Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, he's, he was, he and Jai Hindley were toe to toe coming up through the juniors in WA and early in the national road series and maybe Jai was just slightly ahead of Michael Storer, but not by a lot. 
the thing that is unassuming about Michael is he's he's just he's just really shy. Yeah. But it's not a lack of confidence shy. He just doesn't like the limelight and he doesn't shoot his mouth off at all. Um, he's a quiet achiever. Uh, I've got really he's and he's really smart as well. He's got a mm. he's got interests outside of cycling. He almost got into medicine whilst he was you know going over and doing the junior worlds and he just missed out on getting the marks to get into medicine when he finished year 12. Um, he's an impressive young guy, Michael Storer. If you, if you put them on a scale of uh, kind of the time trial-esque to, towards the climber, Jai and Lucas are down one end, and he's probably more down towards the strongman climber end. But there was a year where the three of them were in the under-23s racing through Italy, and they were cleaning up. Yeah. Yeah, they were, for sure. Uskadel, Uskadi. It's an exciting time to uh, have the Aussie climbers, in it? Yeah. Some five of them, Ben O'Connor, Hinley, uh, Hagee, awesome. Sora. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. So, Uskadal Uskadi, it's good to see the Bass team is back. I assume you'd be happy for me to run you through a few of the riders on this squad, all Spanish team? Yes, please. But they're not all from the Bass country. So, Luis Engalmate, his nickname is the Lynx of Andalusia. So, he's from the south of the country and he's always really easy to spot in commentary because he's got one of those plats, dog tail plats things that hang out the back of his head. It's it's not a good look, but it's part of the culture, <laughs> I believe, down in Andalusia. And um, he spent about 10 years riding for the Cofitas squad. Before that, he rode with the Andalusia squad and he used to get in lots of breakaways. Uh, he's definitely past his best, but he'll be a guy that really motivates this team and makes them believe that they belong in the race. They also have one Jose Lobato. Lobato rode a couple of seasons with the Movistar team and he's not a bad sprinter. He won a stage of the Tour Down Under into Sterling in 2015. And he beat, I think he beat Daryl Impey. I reckon he won a stage in the Volta Catalunya ahead of Simon Gerrans as well at some point in his career. So he can win those sprints that are slightly uphill. He's not going to challenge Caleb on a flat sprint, but he can win a sprint that is ever so slightly uphill. So I'm looking forward to seeing the orange colours back in a Grand Tour. It just brings me back to Sammy Sanchez. It's <laughs> great to see him back. Yeah, and the, the guy who was the first ever rider from Muscadel Uscardi to win a stage in the Tour de France was this guy by the name of Roberto Liseca. And he won a mountaintop finish at Luzardi then, I think it was in 2001. So that was 20 years ago. He looks younger now than he did then. <laughs> <laughs> Like he was just malnourished, and now he's you know he's got you know he's a normal weight in his mid to late fifties. He looks better now than he did when he was racing. Alberson Phoenix, uh, another Australian climber, Max, to maybe add to that list. Pending, um, well, I think add him to that list based off he ran fifth against some of the some of the best climbers in the world at Burgos. Um, Jay Vines, Jay Vines on this list, first Grand Tour. He, um, First year pro. It's all he rode, in, rode in with Egan uh, the other day. Um, Egan mm. might be off his best, like Matty said, but still um, a tremendous effort. And had pretty had a pretty good Aussie summer, I believe. Or was it this year or the year before? Maybe both. Um, and this team, I'm Alpes and Phoenix. I am head over heels for them, Kino. I am in yeah. love with what they're doing. Yeah, uh, it's not just the Vanderpol show. That show is pretty good, and he's my favourite rider by a country mile. But there's so much more to it. I was interested with their tour tactics riding for Philipson, but it ended up they were probably going with the green jersey and it made sense. But Philipson can give him a test. Caleb spoke really well about Philipson 
um, said that he was probably the better sprinter out of him and Cav in the tour and Phillipson just uh, was caught out of luck. So um, I'll be interested to see what they do, but I'm, I'm excited for Jay Vine. Yeah. So before we get to Jay, Jay Vine, just on Phillipson to close that out, what I really liked and your view from a sports psych perspective, Max, would be interesting is he finished third on the stage where Cavendish equaled the record for Eddie Merckx, the stage in the Carcassonne. And they asked him about, you know, what's it like to be part of history and finishing in the top three placings when Mark Cavendish equals the record of Eddie Merckx. He said, I didn't come here dreaming of finishing second or third. I came here with my own dreams. Yeah, and I think that's important, especially what I find from cycling. Um, footy is a little bit, in Australian culture, you toe the line a little bit more and um, you, you tend to hide your ego a little bit in Australian culture. Um, but I, I like that in European culture. Um, mm. And I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Philipson. Uh, from yeah. his Volta win last year, he had a really good stage win in the Volta last year, which I enjoyed. Um, they've got a couple of they've three guys who can win sprints. Um, and anyway, give me give me your Jay Vine. Yeah, so Jay Vine, if it wasn't for Zwift, this guy would not be in the Pro Peloton because the age, the window had closed on him, and the perspective I think of World Tour teams. And COVID prevented him from being able to get over there and get the opportunity to show himself. So he's got this chance as a result of being able to race indoors and do the, the Zwift Academy. To see him just roll that dice and go, okay, this is my one last shot. And then to get onto the start line with the Alpacin Phoenix team and now make the most of it this year, I think is enormous. And on that team, like we saw at the tour, they'll give Jay plenty of opportunities. Because even though he can kind of handle himself in a peloton, he's not going to be rubbing shoulders with the lead-out train. He's not going to be part of that group that is helping Jasper Philipson win a stage. So he can win a stage in the mountains. He can get in the right breakaway. Don't worry about the general classification. And if Jay Vine wins a stage in this welter, the people behind that Zwift Cycling Academy, their heads may well fall off or they'll <laughs> melt down because they will be over the moon. Interesting what you said about he'll get some freedom. I reckon he might be the only one because Elperson do ride down the, the break a lot. Um, yeah, it's they true. Do send, they, they, they do put riders on the front to ride down the break, uh, but it doesn't seem like that's his strength. So hopefully they'll let him go on the climbs. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Absolutely. And then, and again, they've got you know famous Belgium name. They've got Edward Plankard. There's a great Belgium, Eddie Plankard who won the Tour of Flanders in 88. He won Paris-Roubaix in and He was a green jersey winner at the Tour de France in 88 as well. And the Plankard name has been around in Belgium cycling since the mid-1960s. Group Palmer FTJ. I, uh, I said Caleb was the only genuine sprint here, but they've yeah. got Arno Damar on their start list. Oh, yeah. I, stand, I stand by your call, Alex. <laughs> Very good, Max. <laughs> he, has to, he has to win a stage to save his season. He has to win something. Unfor uh, unfortunate circumstances around the Tour de France for them with a stomach bug that ran through the team. Yeah. But they still need a win. So he's been there forever. And it looks like that no matter what happens, he's always going to have a contract at Group Armour FDJ. Max, the players get too comfortable sometimes and they'd be better served to change clubs. Well, he's also got that flat track bully sort of um, branding as well, which... Uh, it's not the best branding to have. Um, I, I, I know that. You want to be able to beat the best. Um, yeah, it almost it could be. Maybe he's comfortable in the French team. 
comfortable speaking French, comfortable with the lead-out training that he's had for years. Um, doesn't seem to get in too much trouble when he takes out his whole team with the time cap. Um, so maybe maybe that is something that they potentially... FDJ, who have been probably an underperformer as a team, and also um, DeMar probably should part ways at some point. I'm excited about their young climber in Rudy Mollard. Um, I think he can do something. Yeah, I like him. I'm not sure what it is, but I think he can do something in the Volta. Yeah. Yeah. But the Anna DeMar situation is not going to change anytime soon because Mark Matteo treats him like it's his, you know, his long lost son and he's <laughs> got him signed up for, for another couple of years, I think until 2023. And they're, you know, they've re, they've extended with Miles Scottson recently as well to make sure that he stays there as part of that lead out train. It's just the same thing on repeat. It's Thibaut Pino, David Gadu, Arno yeah. DeMar. It's just... Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing as I did last year. I'm going to see if I can get a different result. <laughs> Another Frenchman heading up Coppitas. Gil Martin coming off a top 10 of the tour. I wonder yeah. what's in his contract, Kino. I have to attend every grand tour. Would that be on Because <laughs> I'm the best chance to win something. <laughs> Um, I was really happy for him at the Tour de France this year, though, because for the previous few years, he said, I want to finish top 10. I want to finish top 10. And then he ended up finishing 12th and 11th. And this year he went into the Tour. He said, I'm not riding for the GC. I'm just going to go there trying to win a stage. He got himself up to second place overall at one point and ended up finishing in eighth. I'd suggest that he'll be going to this race, genuinely not chasing the general classification at all and absolutely chasing a stage victory and quite possibly the king of the mountains classification. And last but not least, Team Quebec and Xtash with mm. the resurgence of Fabio Aru. The resurgence of both the Italians. Pots of Evo as well. Well, Pots of Evo has never been dead in Cambo's mind. He's always been alive. <laughs> he's tipped him top three the last time, the last six times he's ridden. Fabio Aru is back. Mm. Let's maybe not back. He's he's on. He's putting himself in the right position though. Second on the GC last week. He's holding back. You know, I don't think he's going to agree with you, Alex. Yeah, he, he doesn't look. He doesn't look. Approved, I mean, he's thirty-one. It? He may as well be forty-one. It seems like he's been <laughs> it seems like he's older than Alejandro Valverde. He could be. He could be fantastic up until stage eighteen, Alex. But I'm not backing him for twenty-one stages. Can you remember how good he was? Yep, I can. I can remember. He was fantastic. But if something could go wrong, and what I can assure you is in Fabio Aru's mind, it won't be Fabio's fault. Was it which, which, which grand tour did he ride this year already? The Giro, was it? And he was just agonizingly sitting like five seconds in front of the peloton when he tried to break. Uh, he, he was, no, he was listed to ride the, to his credit actually, he was listed to ride the Tour de France this year. And he said, no, nah, I'm not ready, so yeah. don't take me. So he pulled the pin at the last minute, and I thought that was pretty good. Um, it must have been the – it must have been – it was the tour last year. That's right. It was the tour last year. So he's on – you've nailed it, Max. Yeah. He was on UAE. He's got Pogaccio on his team, and they're all meant to be riding for Tade. And he decides – it was the day that um, was won by Astana with Alexei Lutsenko. Yeah. And he's attacked, he's off the front and he's six seconds in front and he's flapping in the breeze and they're meant to be looking after Tade. He's got no teammates left, but Fabio's still there. Then he gets caught, bang, and he's out the back door. Fabio's gone. And they get to the finish line 
and Tade's in the white jersey and they've gone backstage and they're doing their normal thing and, and he doesn't realise that the camera, even though there's no microphone, it's still got a little bit of a microphone and they can pick up what they're actually saying. The Swan Yeah said to him, what was, what was, what was Haru doing? He goes, Fabio was just being Fabio. It was something along those lines. It was kind of like, Pah. and then the next day or the day after that, he's, he's pulled out with fatigue, you know, towards the back end of the first week. And he's meant to be there helping the guy that goes on to win the Tour de France. It was, it was a shocker from Fabio. And that's the welter team yeah. sheets. <laughs> Can't wait. That was good. Max, do you, want, do you want to kick us off with your podium? Uh, yeah, I'm boring, unfortunately. I don't like being boring. Um, we actually did a good tour uh, podium, Kino. We said, uh, let's just take one of the Slovenians out and say they've crashed. And I took out Roglic, so I nailed the crash. Good. Um, and, I, and, I, and I picked the right Ineos rider. I picked the characters, um out of Thomas and Port. So I actually did all right, but I, I randomly picked David Gadu to get third, who actually had a good tour. Yeah, he was good. Um, I'm, I'm going to go Primoz um, as, as, as clear one. I'm going to go one from the three teams. Um, so he's clear one. Carapaz will be the one, not Bernal, at two. And then Mikel Lander will be three. Okay. All right. Can I? I, I think Roglic is going to win it because of the, the time trial at the end. That could be the difference. I'll go Mikel Lander second and Egan Bernal third. I don't think don't think you can argue with Pog after his uh, uh, with Brog after his TT at the Olympics. Come on, it was Alex, just out of control. You can't just He's host. number one. He's you can't just one. host no, no. and not put your names on podiums. He's number one. Here we go. Lucas Hamilton one. <laughs> Jack Hag second. Caleb Ewan third. Ewan third. <laughs> number number two. Lander. I agree. Lander. Yeah. I was on him for the Giro and awfully disappointed when he crashed out early. Lander. But I think number three. I don't think Egan's got it. I think okay. Hugh Carthy is going to put himself on the podium. Oh. Ineos not podium him. Ineos are not going to podium. They're going to back in Egan. Egan hasn't raced since the Giro hardly. He did, he did a week at Burgos. He's had COVID. And they're going to go stage hunting. Carapaz has just won the Olympic gold yeah. medal. All right. now. Yeah, he's cooked from the tour. Alex. He's done too much. He's done too much. If, that is in, if you are incorrect... You have to wear a Bulldogs jumper at one of the finals matches of the AFL this year. Yeah. Okay. okay. No worries. I'm gonna, I'm the, D, the D's will be winning anyway. No, That's all that matters. All right. Very good. It's an interesting little top eight. Who knows who's going to get in at the moment? It is. Very good. Yeah. All right. Well, I can't wait for the race to get started. It kicks off on, kicks off on Saturday slash Sunday morning because it's in Spain. The first rider uh, down the ramp for the opening page and the time trial is at 5 p.m. Like, <laughs> a night time trial. Yeah, yeah. Not that's the first rider. The last rider's down the ramp at about eight o'clock at night. There was a few years ago where they started for about six years in a row with a team time trial. It was one year the first team down the ramp was at 10 p.m. The last team was at midnight. I remember a couple of years ago, I, I, I came to the Volta and saw you there, Kino. We yeah. had coffee. And I was, I just wanted details. So I was texting Kino and I said, Oh, what time does it start? He goes, Oh, anywhere between two and four. I was like, What time do you reckon they'll roll in? He goes, I don't really know. Maybe six, seven. Who knows? And then 
I got in the team car the next day and the same thing. The Mitchelton team were like, oh, we're not sure what time we're going to start. I'm like, you're, the, you're, you're in the race. <laughs> it wasn't us, Max. That's the beauty of the Spanish culture. I turned up to the hotel one time. We got back to the hotel a little earlier than anticipated. We got there about quarter past 10. Checked in, gone to my room, put my stuff down, used the facilities, come back downstairs at 10.30. I've walked into the restaurant in the hotel and they said, we weren't expecting you this early. Dinner won't be ready until like 11 p.m. at the earliest. <laughs> like, oh, you so got to come with muesli bars so you can have some dinner and just go to bed. Yeah. Does that mean we're in for some late or early mornings, late nights, Keno? It's only only that one is, is it ridiculous o'clock. Only the first one is ridiculous. The rest of them will be finished. Stages will be finishing about the same time as to the front stages. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, Keno. Great to have you on board. Enjoy the next uh, three weeks. Maxi, don't watch too much the next three weeks because um, we need some big performances out of the demons coming. I watch finals. it over breakfast anyway, so it's, I, I, I do it the reverse way. Excellent. Fantastic. Thanks, guys.